Hello everybody and welcome once again to I Don't Get It, the Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn cast. That's my Don Pardo for you, Noah. Uh, it sounded, you know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like William Woodson. You know who William Woodson <laughs> no, I, I can't say I do know who that William is. William Woodson, and here's our geek cred showing, was the, the narrator in most seasons of uh, the Super Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. What if I, if I just keep saying something like, uh, Daryl Hammond, then it no, sounds no, like I'm really in Musical there. guests! <laughs> 10,000 maniacs! Tim Meadows! Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know who was the narrator of the first season of the Super Friends, though? Uh, yeah, Tim, um, uh, Ted Knight. Ted Knight, right? Ted Knight, future, yeah. uh, 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 newscaster on Mary Tyler Marshall. Future Actually, past newscaster at that point. Future subject of this podcast. We talked about Ted Knight? No, no. We No, I'm oh, saying okay. we have yet to talk about Ted Knight. We have yet to talk about it's Ted Knight. It's inevitable, though, if you think about it's it. Now, when we do, I don't get it too close for comfort. <laughs> What's with this Monroe guy? Is he gay? What's going on here? So this podcast features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons. We begin the shtick as soon as we na- name the show. We are on, man. We are running like fire today. Yeah, we just, we never stop. Uh, yeah. Each of us, the two voices you're hearing are staring at the, it's happening. It's, it is an, an, an advanced condition. <laughs> we are staring at the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. So we're just trying staring to keep Staring down. We're staring back at That's the, true. Yeah, the it's... freight train that ran over us, man. I, this voice, I am your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which, as you know, for 40 years has been a roadside mango seller out of the back of a pickup truck on a sunny and tropical Caribbean island. That sounds awesome. You're going to see that. That's, that's, that. I guarantee you that is one of the things, that is a yeah. feature of where you're going. I, I, great. I'm going to buy a mango by the side of the road. I was reminded the other day, my, growing up, we'd go down to Florida to see my grandmother who lived outside Fort Lauderdale, and she grew, in her backyard, she grew mangoes. And she grew aloe plants. So we'd get sunburn. She would like rip off the aloe and rub it on my sister and me, rub it on our skin. Sounds like a real frontier medicine woman, you know? Well, you know what I learned about her just the other day? My mom told me this. She grew up in Philadelphia. She graduated number one in her high school class. And at the time, number one in every high school, public school in Philadelphia, got a full scholarship to the University of Pennsylvania. And I had known she had gone there. And she went, even though she got that full ride, her father didn't want her to go because she was going to you know, work at the store and then marry some guy. Jesus, and she man. went. That's yeah, great. my grandmother was like a math wizard. And she ended up, I mean, she ended up being a high school math teacher. But uh, And she wrote yeah, the punch gra- cars that uh, invented the first rocket program. Yes. She graduated first in her class. And five years later, her brothers, who were twins, one of them graduated first and the other one graduated second. Do you believe that? Uh, I mean, you're telling me, yes, I will believe. I, sure. I come from good stock, my friend. you got to trust him this time. Everybody. The, He's really doing right. a good job. Of the, to... the Cohen siblings in the mid-30s or whatever. At which everybody knows. And by the way, yeah. uh, uh, who, who, what is the scion of the Cohen siblings? Who are we talking to right now? Yes, uh, I am Rose Cohen's grandson. My name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder and the senior quiz master of the big quiz thing, the Trivia Game Show Spectacular. Talking to you this week, not from... My usual home of San Francisco, California, but I am in Orleans, Massachusetts. Orleans, still the one. Still the one, I was going to say. Yes, everybody knows that. We're still having fun. No, I'm here in uh, Cape Cod, uh, enjoying some family time before I uh, head down to the U.S. What a lot of of people don't know that the town on the Cape was named after the band. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Hey, lead singer of Orleans, uh, John Hall, later became a congressman representing some some area of upstate new york did you know that bill uh you might have told me that once actually because yeah, it, it doesn't sound entirely fresh to me 
Yeah, no, it was. It's funny because uh, Sonny Bono has the status of being the only member of U.S. Congress ever who had a number one hit on the Billboard charts. And when I heard that fact, I'm like, wait a minute, what about the Orleans guy? And discovered none of Orleans's hits hit number one. So, God damn it! See, there's no, Sonny there's maintains no his uh, yeah, no justice in the world. Unless Trent Lott had, uh, you know, something show up on the R&B charts in 1998. No, well, Trent Lott was drummer for a few years for Deep Purple. And then, um, <laughs> and then uh, you know, uh, uh, Saxby Chambliss of Georgia was the lead singer of Saga, the band that did On the Loose. You know, a lot of people but, uh, don't. Those songs didn't <clears throat> hit number one. So. It's true. A lot of people don't know that Tip O'Neill played uh, bongos on St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my my nephew was telling me the other day he's getting into Frank Zappa. Isn't that cool? That's strange. You, you, you might want to admit that in the bud. You don't know where this is going to lead. Uh, I'd rather be into Frank Zappa than a lot of shit. That's for sure. Well, uh, speaking yeah. of music, everybody, our topic yeah. this week is Renaissance, uh, the French word for rebirth, which has been coined as the title, the anglicized version of Renaissance, of course, is the seventh studio album from Beyonce. Uh, who wait, wait, who, who's that? Be, be, who? Uh, stay with us. I'll give all the ground. Now I'm not going to give the ground rules. Everybody knows that we're not talking about. We're talking about Beyonce as an artist, but we're not going to go through her biography unless, of uh. course, it comes up obliquely on the side. But I mean, I think at this point, she's so American culture is so suffused with Beyonce and vice versa that uh, you know, the, like there's even mentions of Beyonce in the Book of Mormon. That's how long she's been around for <laughs> at such an endemically <laughs> American institution. As Beyonce Giselle Knowles, uh, by the way, Noah, is 40 years old. Do you want to feel old? She's 40 years old. I man. thought she was 41. I think she was born. No, she was born in 1981. She'll be, she'll be 41 in September. I yeah, she's yes. got okay. I just, yeah. you know, I just, it's the same thing like Britney Spears and Beyonce, people who we, I feel like, oh, we watched you grow up and I realized, oh, I was kind of almost the same age as you guys. I kind of forget, you know. I wasn't well, that- but those, those are critical years right they like i was were. i was a young guy in the real world when they were like teen pop stars i mean those six years or whatever count for a lot so so yeah renaissance renaissance uh by the way the italian word uh, is renaissance uh, that that is the renaissance yeah. in italian exactly mm. like i said the seventh studio- is that so yeah yeah it's the right. seventh studio album from beyonce her uh, Noah, this is her comeback album after 28 years of silence and no new music whatsoever. Her comeback. <laughs> That's the reference to something oh, off the page, Jesus. everybody. Yeah, they're talking about her comeback because it's her first solo album in six years. In between, she was a practical hermit, only releasing one live album, one collaborative album with her incredibly famous husband, Jay Z, one Disney soundtrack. We're not talking soundtrack for like some obscure thing at Sundance, Disney soundtrack album. Two non-album singles with with no-name people like Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah and, she's, and, she's and really a, been hiding. And an Oscar opener, the, the music yes. that she did for the yes. um, yeah for the oh Venus. Oh my God, Venus we practically forgot about Beyonce. Yeah, she was gone. Anyway, maybe she'll uh, break her silence, but we'll get to that. Um, break her. I love this when like there's a story in the news. Oh my God, there's gossip, and twelve hours later, like so and so finally breaks his silence. Like it's been twelve hours. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> So uh, Beyonce's last album, her solo album was 2016's Lemonade, which rocked the firmament of uh, reality as we know it. Although, like Noah says, she did release a, uh, uh, an album with her husband, Jay-Z, called The Carters in 2018. Uh, this is the first of a three-part phase, not unlike the Marvel movies, I, I understand. It's exactly. Um, this is her, <laughs> well, her outfit multiverse on the phase. A little, you know? little Marvel-esque. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, she, that so, outfit on the horse is a little mar- marble been drawn by uh, uh, Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri or somebody like that. I could definitely see that. 
this this um, serves as her reaction of sorts to the uh, years of the pandemic and social unrest. Uh, the title Ren- Renaissance is her stated desire to, uh, quote, I think we are all ready to escape, travel, love, and laugh again, which I guess you can conjure the wine mom font when she says that. <laughs> uh, I, I feel a renaissance emerging, and I want to be part of a nurture. I want to be part of nurturing that escape in any way possible. So whereas Lemonade was a confrontational, autobiographical, challenging, I think there's a very conscious distinction that Renaissance's house-influenced uh, dance album at its heart. It samples many 1990s Chicago house-based songs, some old-school rap, uh, New Orleans bounce culture, which is something I just read about, uh, even a little touch of dragon queer ballroom style along the way. Uh, and all, she know, dedicated the album to her uncle Johnny, yeah. who apparently was somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum, and uh, she refers to as her godmother. Yeah, so, I think he died curious. of AIDS, right? I, uh, did he die of AIDS? I thought something like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, this was someone in her family who she felt close to who was queer on some level. Yeah. So, yeah. There uh, controversy followed this album to the market because almost as soon as it hit, and it was leaked, you know, there was a, a leak and it sort of dropped and she released Break My Soul a couple of weeks ago. And, that was you know, the first single. Yes. Yeah, that was the first single. Uh, but the last few days, the news cycle was taken by uh, Khalees, who you will all know from the from Milkshake fame. And she, she the... the, the uh, a woman who was formerly married to Nas, of all people. Right. And apparently she had... A, I thought she was a one-hit wonder, but looking her up, she had a bunch of hits. I did not realize she was a big star. I yeah. thought she was one and done. And she, she sang she sang a lot of uh, backup vocals on... Some, before she did Milkshake, she was, right. a, long, she was and, a session yeah. artist for a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, anyway, so so um, she quickly jumped up and claimed that uh, Energy was a sample... Used the sample of Milkshake, uh, which was made apparent by the fact that the two tracks were actually produced by the Neptunes. You know, Pharrell Williams is a, a firm, his syndicate. And not only that, but Khalees was not apprised at the time of the making of Milkshake that she was signing a contract which did not give her exclusive ownership of those beats. So it's like, legally, she had nothing to stand on, but I think, right. you know... Incredibly, she she does have some. Right. They're saying Beyonce should have called Khalees and say, "Hey, are you cool with this?" Yes. Even though she was under no legal obligation to do so. Yeah. Because rightly or wrongly, Khalees had no correct had no rights over the song. She had signed it away to Pharrell because yeah. you know Pharrell needs all the money he can get. Yeah, so. he's got to buy those big hats, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and in fact, with Robin S., uh, which they used some of Show Me Love, she apparently did do that. She had, it was acknowledged, Robin S. was acknowledged in the credits in a way that Khalees wasn't. Maybe maybe that was the connection of, of the Neptune, it's hard to say. Anyway, a little bit of controversy. Anyway, the, the album has been mostly regarded with universal acclaim. I would say near, near M- fawning. Most, most, mostly with universal acclaim? Mostly with universal acclaim. Yeah, somewhat with universal acclaim. Mostly 100% acclaim. <laughs> It was uh, it was distinctly unique amongst albums that came yes. out that week. It was more unique than other things, and uh, <laughs> irregardless, uh, major 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 media venues fawned over it. The yes, ones who've yeah. reviewed oh it, pretty much everybody. God. Look at look at your Times. Look at your Washington oh, Post. Look oh. at your your everywhere. When you're Beyonce, you don't need a PR department because. The journalists of the world will do it for you. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that pretty much takes us uh, up to where we are right now. I, no, I don't think oh. we've covered. Uh, I, I guess it was ta- uh, Red's. What is it? Red Taylor's version was the last one of these sort of album tr- journeys through a career that we covered. That was a bunch we of did, months. No, back. we did a we did Adele. Was Adele before? Or after? Oh, okay. No, I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe Adele's came. No, it, right. we covered Adele as a phenomenon based on the album. But we didn't actually cover the album itself. With Taylor, Taylor Swift, it was the uh, album that we were we were right. Well, this on. is just the album, right? Yeah. And then we did a couple years ago. We did Fiona Apple's new yeah. album. Yeah, fetch the bolt, fetch the bolt cutters. 
fetch the bolt cutters. Yeah, so uh, I, I, uh, I suggested this knowing that this was coming. I said we can't avoid this. In fact, we should steer into it because right. part, we're, yeah, part of the beehive, right. me and you, as everybody knows yeah, us. Yeah, you know, we're, 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 you know, we are the authorities on yes. African-American musical pop history. Yeah. Yes, come, yes. Come to us for the real story. So what do you think, man? Uh, I, I don't, wouldn't say I have a complicated history with Beyonce, but uh, our old friend Katie Venino back when she and I were dating, we actually got in, we dated for two years, and the few times we got in our most vociferous arguments were over the stupidest shit. And one of them was over Beyonce. And I told her how I hated Beyonce, and she's like, Beyonce's awesome. And, you know, I, I think I was probably wrong in that argument because I was basing my opinion of Beyonce on very little. And if I had been honest, like, I think about, you know, the early Beyonce hits, and those are you know, not my cup of tea, but damn good songs. Do you mean, do you mean Destinies or Beyonce herself properly? Well, they, they blend together for me. So, I mean, I, for me, I think Crazy in Love, uh, Irreplaceable, uh, Single Ladies, which I guess is only like 10 years old. Like, those are pretty, again, not my thing because I've never really been an R&B person or a rap person, but like, those are, those are great songs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But always struck me as bothersome about Beyonce and I see some of this now is she just she always has that blank look on her face that I consider a sign of like I don't like actually I remember saying this about Khalees hating the milkshake song because I thought she she sounded bored and tired on the song and I thought it perpetuates the stereotype that it's sexy for a woman to be a null set by the way that's one of the things I hate about uh, Melania Trump I hate this idea that female beauty is blankness. And Beyonce always looked to have a blank look on her face to me. And then I actually watched a couple of videos. I'm like, okay, well, she's dancing. She's not. But she's like that photo of her on the horse that's on the cover of this new album. Just looks very blank to me. But look, I, I was basing that on bullshit. And I listened to this new album a few times yesterday. Um, I cannot stand, I was just whining about it before, these articles that sound like press releases. The worship of her feels so over the top. It really turns me off, but let's put all aside, let's just listen to it. She's very talented, and this music is pretty good. These songs are full of detailed production, danceable beats. Uh, even I, with my poor understanding of the history of black and queer and danceable music, I'm, I'm seeing the references in there. I'm hearing disco, I'm hearing dancehall, I'm hearing trap. Uh, even from my end, I can, it feels more respectful to me than ripping off even from my end like song there's a song thick t-h-i-q-u-e which is clearly like sex 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 song and it, it always bothers me r&b and rap songs are about fucking 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 the big ass i want to fuck that thing and she seems less sleazy than that she seems actually kind of sexy right so uh there are melodic hooks the song all up in your mind really got stuck in my head she is a great vocalist she can rap she can croon she can belt she could do it all, and like I said, the, the lyrics don't feel too cliche. She seems to take something that's overdone, you know, black-inflected pop music. I mean, all American pop music is black-inflected, but, but black-rooted American female-centric pop music, and she makes it fresh. And that's all you can ask for for a pop singer, right? That is all you can ask for. But I'm not her market. I'm never going to be. I mean, I said the hook of all up in your mind was stuck in my head for a little while, but then it was gone. Most of these songs go in one ear, out the other. This is very pleasant music. 
I will, uh, it will, it will, it will put a little spring in my step when I hear it at the barber shop. But say it with me, Bill. I don't get it. I don't feel. <laughs> I don't feel why she is such a goddess. But I'm not supposed to feel it. I'm an old man. And fine. She's the biggest thing. Great, because she's actually talented and she's original and she's doing her own thing. So all right. So be it. You know, better than a lot of other things. So yeah, I mean, this stuff's pretty good, but I don't care about it. I, uh, you know, four or five pieces that I read about this use the term interpolation to describe what yes. happened. Yes, well, but that's a technical term, I think. Please explain it to me because I'm not sure so, I kind of grasp. So it's it not means. a sample. So okay, so uh, a cover. You know what a cover is? A cover is if she sings. A, she sings her own version of. When I went to see Weird Al Yankovic, he did a straight cover of Suffragette City by David Bowie. He didn't change the lyrics. He didn't change the melody. You all know what a cover is, you know? The birds covered all of Dylan's songs in the 60s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a cover. A sample is when you actually take the beat from a... You, you know, and this is what happens in hip-hop and R&B a lot. You lift a piece of a song. In those cases, you got to give credit. You got to pay royalties, I assume, et cetera. Interpolation is when you, you essentially... Si you sing part of the song. So... I don't hear the quite what she took from Milkshake, but if literally at one moment in the song she's like, blah, 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 and my Milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and then just moves on, that would be an inter interpolate. I think it's interpolation of a lyric from uh, Khalees. A band I really love, uh, Spoon, indie rock band from Texas. They do that a lot. They'll just randomly say a line from some, one of the things I love about them, like semi-obscure songs in the early 80s I love. Like I went to see them at a concert a few years ago. They just for no reason interpolated a lyric from Girl You Want by Devo, which is an awesome fucking song. It just made me like them more. It's a technique that apparently she's doing a lot here, not just with lyrics, but with beats, where okay. you can't yeah. claim it's by accident, but it's not a ripoff because you're clearly doing it in homage, you know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think that's right. There might be a music expert who says I've missed something here, but that's my interpretation. No, I appreciate that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, this, this is... My interpretation of interpolation. Whatever. Yeah, now that this is very reference heavy, um, it is a travel through the history of a very specific frame of music. Uh, everything I read said that this is a love letter to Chicago House, and they said a house in, in America was born in Chicago by Chicago DJs, and it it it, it references a lot of those um, Chicago acts, even some current Chicago DJs to come in and do the production on it. It, in it references the band Chicago. She just does, yes, more important. She does hard, hard to say. I'm sorry is the final track, hidden track. Yeah, Peter Peter Cetera sings a lot of duets yeah, he, with her on this one. Yeah, he, he he drops a few sick beats on this album. Uh, yeah, you know the the music is uh, it's all up tempo. There's not a lot of uh, difficult stuff on its mind. It tends to have a very buoyant and yeah. cel celebratory. It's fun music. It's fun music. It's a lot of and, fun. And and the idea that. You know, she has uh, really steered for many years into this whole come on thing where is a lot of whispering to a lover or talking about what she wants done to her, or what she will do to you, which granted that's as old as the hills. And it sounds very appealing coming out of her mouth, especially with this very lush uh, setup. Uh, you know, the the comparison I'm apt to make, of course, is to her last album, Lemonade, which which did, in fact, change the game uh, quite a bit. You know, Lemonade was one of those things. Sometimes I ask myself uh, when I listen to music or, I don't know, you can think of maybe more so music than, than a film or something else. Could someone else have done this or what would this have sounded like if this was coming out of someone else's mouth? 
And um, a lot of this is, you know, since it's so reference heavy, it is almost phrases and whatnot coming out of Beyonce's mouth that are appropriated from other people, uh, references and quotes and things like that. Um, Lemonade was something that was ripped from the bottom of her soul and she spent years crafting something that was so personal, something that was so intimate. And granted, I mean, I'll say that it was challenging to listen to because in a lot of places, the, 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 you know, the rhythm and the tonality almost defied easy listening. Lemonade was hard to put on in the background uh, and just let it sail. And I felt this way about Kendrick Lamar stuff, too, where at the beginning, Kendrick Lamar was very poppy. But it's like when you listen to the last few albums he put out, they are deep. They are hard. And in, it, it, is, it was difficult for me, for instance, like to read comic books while playing Kendrick Lamar on headphones <laughs> because it would compete yep. for my attention. It, the, the, the depth of the words and what he was saying wasn't a passive yeah. experience. It required active. Yeah. And the same thing with Lemonade had uh, a lot of that going for it too. Uh, you can't make a Lemonade every time out. It's just impossible because it would dry, it would desiccate her. You know, like there, that is the kind of thing you got to put decades between because it is a statement, an insuigenerous statement from the artist. Now, I guess that means that this just seemed a little light, you know, like it was incredibly well-crafted and she's got all the cash in the world to assemble a murderer's row of producers yeah. and co-writers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my I mean, it, God. It is quite literally the finest the finest uh, yeah. music machine known to man that you could possibly yeah, muster at our moment in time. It would be very hard for this album to fail after, you know, hiring the people she hired, but... She's Beyonce. She's got more money than God. She's more famous than God. So, Every single yeah. time she steps out, it's always an all-star team. It's just a different all-star team between album to album. You know, she's going to get whoever is at the at the peak at the moment to shepherd her vision out, and she alters and you know amends her vision to whom is available. You know, at at that moment. You know, it's funny you talk about how um, you know you're talking about her look on the album covers and the way Beyonce pulls herself off of their choreography and the image. You know, she hyper-micromanages every single detail of her career to the point where after she did the Super Bowl two years ago, she was insisting, or her people rather, were insisting that, I think it was Reuters and AP, that they um, allow Beyonce's people to go through the photo stock and X images out that they did, they did not feel were flattering because they were... They were snapping her through the entire performance, which means it was so what happened was like the Monday morning or the Tuesday, there was a lot of photos of just her in between dance moves and out of breath and, you know, just human. Because it, it was it was almost captured like a video where they just got these frames and they wanted to make sure that she didn't appear to have any dumb looks on her face, that her hair was in the right place. They wanted to go through the trouble of actually paring back what Reuters and the various news agencies had. That is how obsessed she is with image. And, you know, this is her call. This is what she's doing. She, she, she can do this right now. Well, make... she can do it because she has that power. Yeah, exactly. And, you know. When I, when, I, when I worked at Rolling Stone two years, to my knowledge, the only article subject who got to personally review the article before publishing was the Beyonce equivalent of the 90s. And who was that? Uh, was that um, Jennifer Lopez or Britney? No. Bigger than oh, them. Madonna? Madonna. Okay. They wanted final approval. So actually, yeah. it's funny. You mentioned the thing about how the news media fawns over this, which again, there's there's one thing about exceptional product and you know another thing about all fawning cover where it could be press releases. I also think that our traditional news media and a lot of the people who are even writing reviews now are in their 20s and 30s. They came up in, you know, they're not children from the TikTok generation. They are, you know, adoptees of the way we're talking about media. 
I think that to have someone as huge, that is someone who's so cross-silo as Beyonce, is thrilling to traditional news media. They love yeah. these gigantic fame balls because yeah. it is easy yeah. for them to cover. They they understand yeah. what they're looking at because this is a cross-disciplinary fame ball, somebody who is bigger than everybody else. You're not trying to, you know, you're not like hopping into a silo to talk about Mitski. No offense to Mitski, but you really do need to get into whoever Mitski's fans are. But it's like Beyonce crosses over every human being on planet Earth going back to the Pleistocene. You know what I'm saying? Why has the world stopped for Beyonce? Well, again, there's only one Beyonce, simply put. Whatever she chooses to do becomes unto like Moses coming down the mountain with these 15, no wait, 10 commandments. That's uh, a Mel Brooks reference, everybody. You know, uh, the beehive aside, she's had at this point a 25 year long career. She's on the oh, she was on the A list from the start, pretty much. I mean, it really is a self created myth if you want to think about it, matched by the work. Uh, and and at this point, I just don't know if there are, there are any acts that can match hers for longevity and the enthusiasm. Again, as she's 40 40 years old, going on 41. Um, you know, so t- these are pre sold. This is pre sold art. I mean. The degree is to which how big the sensation is going to be from album to album, but that it it cannot fail, not at this point and not in, I don't know what Beyonce would have to do to create something that would be panned. I mean, yeah. Look, I, I, she's, she's too, <laughs> I mean, we can think of obvious stuff, but she right, but she unless yeah. she if she did a bunch of Tuvan throat singing on her next album, yes, that would probably swan dive into it. See, hill. I don't agree with that. I think Tuvan throat singing. I mean, it wouldn't be her biggest album, but I think people would... I don't think it would fail. I don't think it would be a huge success, but I don't think it would fail. The through line of the, um, you know, I was going to say from the girl groups of the 60s, you know, the the, the Ronettes and, and, and the Supremes and, and, and everyone else along the way, Darlene Love, every, everything that sort of occupies this space. You know, I mean, I was trying to think of, well, who is her... Clo- I mean, maybe Gaga, but even Gaga has sort of trailed off a little bit because Gaga hasn't been putting out, she's, you know, 10 years of fallow, fallow product, and nor has she had a sensation the way she did at the beginning with Fame Monster um, and then what Art Pop I think maybe Art Pop was the beginning of a slide a little bit I mean the music has been good to me but it's like she was not able she was not batting with the same record that Beyonce has and it's like there aren't any more pop gods left over you know there really aren't I mean there's there's some there's the acts of the guys like you know Springsteen still makes music all the time he tours relentlessly but he's not on the tips of everybody's tongue in terms of no he's not he's not a it's not what teens and kids are. Into. No, but like yeah. Bruce Springsteen has a fifty-year-long career at this point. If maybe longer than that, you know, it's like um, you know he's about that long. So it's like he has a continued streak of fame, but he's not uh, at the top level. You know, you talk about this. This is the the, the winner and still champion for twenty years is you know twenty-five years or so is, is Beyonce, and so um, I mean it's no it is definitely no question for me why this is so popular. Yeah, uh, you know, you pretty much said all we really need to say, which is that she's Beyonce, and as we've said in the show a thousand times, hype begets hype begets hype. Everyone wants to love Beyonce. They do love Beyonce. So, you know, the mad rush in our society now, I'm sure a lot of these, you know, magazines, newspapers, blogs, whatever, like, we have to mention Beyonce. She's too big to ignore. We're going to be left behind if we're not all over. I mean, you even did that here. You told me three weeks ago. You're like, Beyonce's new album drops July 29th. We have to, that has to be our topic that week. And you were right. And I agreed. And we made that plan. And I think we're right to make that. And you got the, you got the check though, right? That came through? 
Yes, it was signed by Beyonce. You know what? I'm amazed that she, like, on her checks, it just says she doesn't even have to have Knowles on her check. She's that big. She doesn't need a last name. That's kind of amazing. Uh, okay, so this album is fun. I said that before. It's about dancing. It's about getting sweaty. It's about getting together, coming out of the pandemic, which everyone thinks we are, but maybe we're not because everyone's still getting sick. I went to a place last night that one mask wear. A restaurant. It was crazy. Including me. So, what the fuck's wrong with me? Um, you know, people want this escape. People want to get back to, I read a review that said, the skin on skin world of dance clubs. You know? Uh, you know, maybe that's good. I, I sympathize. I get it. Like, let's get back to the physical. I mean, so in just, respect, just in time for monkeypox, right? Right. I think to some extent we've been back to that for a year, to some extent. But it's been a very slow return. And I mean, I remember saying early in the pandemic that I think when all said and done, this will be like this will be like a world war. It'll be five years. And I hope it's only five years, to be honest. With you. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a thing here that is kind of dark in that. And there was an article that I sent you from NBC News, this woman, a sociology professor, who said, I think her headline was something like, her album is ill-suited to the time. And she said, you know, the, the world is fraught right now. People are worried. People are scared as well they should be. And party, party, party feels kind of empty and bad. You know, there's an ad I keep seeing that pops up on YouTube or some Google thing like, have a dance party at home. What's that song? And they all start dancing. And I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like we all start dancing at a party kind of time to me. But I might be in the minority here. You know, I think this woman might be a little naive, this sociology professor, and saying, oh, it's ill-suited to the time because everyone's more serious. Well, part of the problem is everyone's not more serious. Hence, everyone take masks off when the threat is far from over, right? I think that's part of a problem, is that we're all like, we just want to have fun. Well, there's nothing wrong with having fun, especially now, as self-care, and that life should be about having fun. But I think we need to balance it with a lot of serious work that still needs to be done. Forget serious work, just minor responsibility of wearing a mask, <laughs> right? So I think it's naive to say this album is ill-suited to the time because I think it might be perfectly suited because people want to stick their heads in the sand. Noah, would you have liked Beyonce? Uh, because you two are also a 41-year-old um, person with a 25-year-long career. Would you have liked Beyonce uh, as a kid? I love how it's now a joke that I might be 41 years old. Like, that's laughable. I'm that old. Um, no, I mean, something I've said about frequently when you have a topic where I'm like, I think it's fine, but it's not my cup of tea, or I think it's good, but it's not my cup of tea. I say the same thing. Like, I was more narrow in my cultural consumption as a kid. So I think, I mean, much like how I couldn't appreciate Beyonce, you know, 15 years ago when I got an argue about her with Katie Benino is, um, I just, I, I, I shut down when I hear R&B and rap because it's just not my thing. And when I actually open my ears to it, I'm never crazy about it the way I am about, you know, punk rock or whatever, but I appreciate it more. I think my tastes are a little more open-minded, if not expansive, right? I'm willing to give other things a shot. Whereas in my 20s, I go, great, have a good time with Beyonce. I don't care, right? So I wouldn't have, I, I would have liked it less, 
and I would have just shut my mind down about it. You know what? We should have done this podcast in our 20s. I think that would have made us better. People. We would have been talking about, like, what was it like when we were 11 years old then? That, this would have dialed us back. Way well, it would, have been, it would have been a different podcast, right? Maybe we would have asked different questions. But if we had done I Don't Get It, Destiny's Child in 1999, you know? I did have a bit. So in 2001 or so, when I was a stand-up comic, I remember having a bit making fun of Destiny's Child because they released that song Survivor with a video of them on a desert island like the same week that Survivor, the TV show, started a new season and everyone was talking about it. So I made a joke that their album last year was, their song last year was called Harry Potter and their song in in 2000 was called Florida Election Fiasco. And there's, I there's, mean, whatever. They're pops. It's their job to be mercenary. Their, their song in 1981 was called Harry Morgan. And our, this is a dated joke, but I said a year from now their song will be called Horribly Misguided War with China. Oh, see, if only it was dated. Forgot about that, yeah. Uh, I, I believe it or not, I had, a, I had a big sweet spot for house music in the early 90s. Um, there was a couple of stations, FM radio stations on Long Island. I used to listen to them off of a clock radio, as it were, in my bedroom uh, on the weekends. I think it was on Friday nights and Saturday nights. They would play something like three hours of house music. And um, I think it was a syndicated show, but for some reason, it was so unusual in my house because I came from a family of people who listened to uh, you know, very very traditional rock and roll setup. Again, Bruce Springsteen, the Billy Joel's. You talk about all that safe middle American uh, uh, East Coast stuff, and yet I found that my tastes had really gone all over the place in terms of I wanted up tempo music, I wanted four on the floor, I wanted digital, I wanted electric. I didn't want real um, real instruments. You know, I wanted drum machines, things like that, high energy stuff. So this is this is actually like Robin S's "Show Me Love." It's like that was a song I remember. You know, I mean, I didn't have it. I didn't own it. But I remember it was part of a gestalt at the time that I was really happy to see. Um, and that's the irony of all this is that this album went right through me. I listened to it. I took notes on each track. I listened to stuff again. It was really analytical about it. But other than maybe the very last track, which used Marauder's um, I Feel Love, Summer Renaissance. That used a lot of references to Marauder. Uh, which I do, you know, I mean, you can't, that song was huge, Donna Summer, it's like that already was a proven hit, like back in 77 or 76, whenever she made that song. Um, very, very little of this is going to stick with me now, but the irony is that if I was a kid, it might have actually gotten a took into me more. I, I might have eaten it up with more enthusiasm uh, when I'm, I would say, 13, 14 years old than I do today, just really? because, yeah, just yeah. because it sort of goes goes through me like like x-rays or something. Well, you were you were a club kid back then. You were living in the clubs. She can't go he must Be waving around the crowd move. Look around everybody home you. You sent me an interesting article from Wired magazine. Yeah. You know, we ask is every topic is the success popularity of this topic a sign of the apocalypse? And I want your opinion on it, but let's also talk about that Wired article where the headline was literally something like is the success of Beyonce a sign of the apocalypse? Yeah, right? I, f I felt bitten by that. That's why I sent it to you. Yeah, it's I like, know. hey, man, They're you know. ripping us off. Yeah, yeah you, I, I feel like, you know, there's that little guy that you're stealing the songs and not crediting him. That's what that's my... They're, they're interpolating our podcast is right. what they're doing. Be interpolating, I don't get it. Beyonce ripped off Khalees and Wired ripped off, I don't get it. The headline is, is Beyonce's renaissance a sign of the apocalypse? Literally. And then you texted me that link and you wrote, stop stealing our shit. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. not to you. I was, I was like, it was a general... Not to me, too. Yeah. To the the the, uh, the poobahs of Wired magazine. Now uh, it's I, I would say it's important. To, we're going to mention this. I think we should explain what the because I, I was like, what the fuck are they even talking about? I thought is this going to be yeah. some symbolic thing? And it's like yes, 
Well, actually, it is symbolic. What they were talking about, Beyonce's he, so far has been there's there's images on two different horses. There was a, there was a white horse, and then this one was almost like a lame horse, a silver shimmering horse. Um, and Beyonce has had this sort of um, chatter for years that she's a member of the Illuminati. <laughs> you know, and it's just like I had I was not aware of any of this. And so the point of this article was saying that you know people are. They're interpolating uh, <laughs> biblical imagery that, that Beyonce somehow was, she was riding two of the horses of the apocalypse of the four. And so it's a countdown essentially to the right. book of Revelations. And very, she's got, and this stuff. is part of a three album cycle, she said. Yeah. So maybe the last two horses will be in the last two, the two more albums. Yeah, very weird stuff. I mean, I, the yeah. article was kind of a piss take, but at the same time, it was actually giving credence by covering what people say about her online. Anyway, jerk off bullshit. Uh, but, but no, I mean, absolutely not. You know, she. The, Look, she, she's the reigning pop music diva. I mean, she's without peer. She's dropping a new one on us, right? And it, it's no more vexing to me than wh- whatever that means. I mean, I, I so far we haven't really engaged with the with the phenomenon of the beehive because that's not really part of this. But in terms of a rabid fan base, I think the beehive behaves more admirably than some of the other groups. You know, people whether it's the Zack Snyder people, the army of bots that were like going around asking for the freaking Justice League cut, or if it was the Taylor Swifties who are out there trying to tell people that they should die or or I don't know. Or Christ, I mean, the K the K pop fans, who literally almost like compel their people to to, to you know to, to, to kill themselves in Korea because the the strength of public sentiment is so strong. Uh, but the but the, the Beehive doesn't have anything to do with that. And again, the music the music is top of the line pop. It's a freaking Ferrari, you know. This this is, or you call it it's an electric. It's like a te, you know an electric powered Ferrari since it seems like it's pretty nutritive and, and healthy music. It doesn't take anything <laughs> away. No, but so I know it's it's a little bit of I, don't, I think it's a whiff. It's not a sign. I guess. Uh, my favorite quote from this Wired article is: "If you want to dig deeper, you can lose yourself in a forty-two minute you forty-two minutes." YouTube video promising that, quote, Beyonce opens, in all caps, demonic portals, in all caps, in July, in all caps. And then there's a parenthetical, there's only a few days left in the month, she better hurry up. <laughs> we got 24 hours left. Uh, no, but they sort of explain it as Beyonce so good and so beloved and, you know, in an era where there are no more heroes, it feels like, that um, we, we just see her as this impossible figure. It's fine, but this is what the internet had wrought. You know, I was explaining to this to my nephews the other day. You know, QAnon, that shit used to exist. Lyndon LaRouche, you know, uh, newsletters and fluoride is making people gay. The problem is the internet knits these people together and spreads this word. Exactly. So it's not just yeah. a few lunatics sending each other newsletters. This is a big problem. Uh, well, I think that this could be a sign of the apocalypse for what I said before, which is... We are at this critical point. I've said this about a few topics. We're at this critical point in world history, and if people just want to say, I'm done with COVID, I don't care about monkeypox, I don't care that we critically need to vote and support loyal American politicians. Uh, A recession is right around the corner. Right, so that, you know, just, I mean, traitors are about to take over the government, so, you know, the fact that people are just, la, la, I don't want to hear it, I just want to dance and have sex... You know, I don't care that my rights are being taken away. I think that's a problem. You know, fascists, a lot of how fascists arise is through bread and circuses. And Beyonce is giving us a very powerful circus. I don't think that's her intention. I don't think anyone recruited her to do that. I mean, she's certainly not the circus that the fascists would most prefer because she foregrounds black and female and queer to an extent. I mean, she is black and female, but she's championing queer identity, even if she is not, you know, herself that. 
So it's definitely not the surfaces they prefer, but it, it is distracting to a lot of people who need to fucking vote and need to, you know, and you can do both. You could chew it, chew, I was about to say, chew and walk gum at the same time. Apparently, I you can do, you can do that too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, walk gum on a leash. You can walk and chew gum at the same time, but I think a good percentage of people who get wrapped up in this world forget to chew the gum. All right, Noah, let's discuss jealousy. I always try to figure out how the hell could you be jealous of this situation, but I'm just waiting for you to tell me how that's how it's oh, working. Of course. I'm so jealous. I mean, every word out of her mouth is parsed and worshipped and you know, I mean, look, part of what pisses me off about these quote-unquote articles, by like the root, which I usually consider a good journalism, good, you know, good kind of analytical pieces, it annoys me that her creative work is viewed with such an uncritical eye, never mind, you know, the, the, the bandwagon piling on of attention, you know, I want just one one-thousandth the shredded attention Beyonce gets, you know, because maybe I'm one one-thousandth as talented she is. I'll, I'll have an ego and say that, one-thousand, fine. Um, so I'm jealous of her. I'm jealous of Khalees because, you know, I haven't gotten completely ripped off the way a lot of people have. This feels like a minor ripping off of Khalees, right? So her rip off, her being minorly, minorly screwed is taken seriously, you know. The people who ripped off the app I built for my company, you know, there's, there's no revenge on them. You know, when Cash Cab was stealing trivia questions from my live events, you know, I... Could have hired a lawyer. I mean, I've been ripped off by a few people in show in my career. Every time, it probably wasn't worth. Maybe I should have sued a couple. One person I should have sued. Um, but you know, an army of people taking Kalisa's side. So I am jealous that these people's work and concerns get all that attention. Now, step back. With that level of attention comes a lot of things that I don't want to have go with it. Which is why, you know, on balance, I'm glad I'm not famous. But you know, I'm only human. I can only be... I, I am naturally jealous that these people get an, an incredible amount of respect, attention, worship, and I want just, just a crumb of it. I mean, the shitstorm of what happened... Remember when Solange was on the elevator footage? I uh, do not. Oh, well, she was beat, she was trying to beat the shit out of Jay-Z in an elevator because uh, it was caught... And, you know, the building... It, I forget it was a hotel somewhere... Um, they had the elevator camera, which is just, you know, a circuit, that little camera that's in the corner of the elevator with a panoptic lens. Uh, God, because Solange apparently had a few drinks in there, got some courage, and she just decided to just fucking go ham on Jay-Z because, you know, Jay-Z was known for cheating on Beyonce. It was, it was a big infraction that was along the way. And Beyonce, How do you cheat on Beyonce? <clears throat> ask him. Ask Sean Carter of, uh, of the Marcy Projects, and maybe he'll oh, tell you man. how. But I mean, fine. I don't know what the I'm just saying. Something like that happens. Jesus. It winds up becoming a bigger fiasco because Beyonce is so tight-lipped and controlled. It is, it is, that looks like, that's actually a variance from how tight she keeps everything. Not quite like Joan Crawford wire hangers level, you know, apoplexy, but it does really complicate the fact that she is such a manicured image. But back, back to jealousy for, for just, just for one second. Um, you know, I'm not, I really, I can't uh, have any kind of jealousy of Beyonce herself. However, I, I mean, the, the beehive thing really gets to another point in fandom where, you know, this sort of identification thing that people have a, a line to hide behind. It's like, look, I've been enthusiast over my life, an avowed enthusiast of comic books, of like Dune by Frank Herbert, a lot of genre stuff along the way, um, you know? And, and the thing is, it's like, 
this level of a, of a dedication is even more fevered than anything I've potentially been. You know, like I've never been a member of a team or a squad, if you will. Hashtag SKWAD, you know, which is like I feel the compulsion to act and to defend somebody else, you know, not even being asked to. I just feel like right. I'm part of this. Oh, this. man, you sent death threats to people who are mean to Larry Hama. I remember that. I did. Well, that's different because Larry Hama is a legend. He's an American legend. He's been in comic books for since forever. Uh, yeah, so that that was, it's it's I don't know if it's jealousy or it's curiosity. You're wondering how does one find the kind of love that is projected from inside a static text? You know, you're looking inside Beyonce's work and you develop a parasocial relationship with her to the point where you become an avatar, you become an acolyte, you become an actor uh, on behalf of her outside the realm of just listening to the, the music. But, right, right. All right, so then finally, let's clear it up. Noah, what about the Felonian scale? Where does this fall on the XYZ axis of our topics? We mentioned, or maybe it was before we got on the mic, uh, no, we did about, you know, Adele and Fiona Apple, and I feel like all these women, sing, Taylor Swift too, every time we look at a woman singer, I say some version of the same thing. She's very talented. Has there been a woman singer I thought was not talented that we looked at? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it would have lasted. Maybe maybe Lana Del Rey was the only one I really did not like. Yeah, yeah, but that was early on. Uh, By the way, you, you notice that say, we've really only covered these women. We we have covered a, it's, it is, there's a big gap between the amount of female artists we covered, vocalists and singers, and male solo solo out. You know, it's it's been huge. Uh, well, we did Bruno Mars, and we, we did we, that that uh, that guy that Sean uh, Mendes. Yeah, we did that Blossom guy, Bloom, Troy Savon. Troy Savon. I think it was the three, and that was it. Oh, we did that the country guy too, that Rube, um, Scotty McCreary. Scotty McCreary, yeah, the one who looked like Howdy Doody. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there's no whatever. Uh, so it's always like, oh, she's so talented, but she's not my thing. So so she's a hundred. 80%. So Beyonce is the best of these, I got to say. Definitely feels the most creative and the most original and the less the less self-indulgent, I think. Like she feels a little more honest in her like I'm opening my soul to you, right? Uh so she's 180% of Taylor Swift. She's 120% of Adele. I uh, remember Adele, that little thing, like, Mommy loves you, the little voiceover. Oh, and I think I deter she's 95% of Fiona Apple. I think I like Fiona Apple a little more, but that's me, you know, generally preferring white music to black music. Sorry, no. my musical taste. I mean, are, it's more of an indie my, rock My musical too. tastes are racist, I admit. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, she's great, but I'm not buying this album. Uh, you know, this, this is superior pop music for, for our age, obviously. Uh, from a person who can afford to assemble quite literally the Avengers of songwriting and production to, to, to chase down whichever whim she feels. Um, so I'm kind of caught between two impulses of trying to like, there's the quantity of, of Beyonce, the size of her fame. You know, she is quite literally a, an extra solar body that has gravity that moves other things, you know, like the way a comet is moved around by planetary um, uh, gravity as it zips through the, the solar system. And then to mix that with the fact that the, this thing kind of went right by me, you know, I can, I can, it, it did not personally strike me. I may not listen to it again. I mean, it's on my iTunes. I have it as an MP, you know, I, it may in fact jog through the stuff as a jukebox, but I too would, and that, I should say, I'm actually disappointed by that because I wanted, I wanted it to have a more profound effect, but, but it did. 
So in that respect, and again, quantitatively, I can't necessarily say it's the same thing as this, but I had the, the Fest of Bolt Cutters was something that it's like, I listened to it. I appreciated every single minute of it. I saw that it was in some ways, not the antonym, but a little bit of an obverse side of the coin where that was extremely, extremely personal. And then she made that in her, Fiona Apple, I'm saying, made that in her house. She played a lot of the instruments herself. They were friends and family who, who, everything about that was as analog as possible. It was really inside of a home. And this was the most digital, the most electronic, perfect, unerring, produced package you can imagine. Uh, and yet in both cases, the art went right by me. Um, but, mm. you know, yeah. like these That's are, sort of how I feel. these yeah. are talented people and I would have to rank uh, again, I'm just don't come at me for this. Just it's like I know that I know that Beyonce's a <laughs> don't big, come at me. I know she's a bigger talent. I know she's a larger sensation. But I I think of her and Fiona Apple sort of in similar terms. That's yeah, just, just I I feel that way too. But why not? Well, I mean, they're such different genres. It's almost like you know, great. They could occupy. You know, music should be expansive. There should be. Sometimes I want Fiona Apple. Sometimes I want Beyonce. You like Beyonce. I like Fiona Apple. Like, why can't we? be that world you know yeah well i believe that takes us to the end of this week and yes. i believe no we are on hiatus for a week or so well uh uh well you tell me man because i so those of you who don't know this is very exciting i am headed down to st croix in the u.s virgin islands in a couple days so tell me bill do you think wi-fi will allow us to do something while i'm down there i have podcasts from there once or twice before but you know we can we can play it by ear so we'll yeah. play it by ear. Yeah. So we might be back next week. If not, we'll be back the week after. But uh, you know, you can always find old episodes of I Don't Get It, the Pop Culture Get Off My Long Cast uh, on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Apple uh, tweet to us yeah. at No One Bill Show. No One Bill at No One. What is it? No One Bill Show at, at G- usually. <laughs> Oh, yeah, at no I'm Bill- trying to help you out there, my friend. Oh, yeah, so the Twitter is uh, at NoAndBillShow. The email right. address is uh, NoAndBillDon'tGetIt at gmail.com. Uh, do the review thing. Do the rest of these things. Uh, look me up. Again, don't come at me, but look me up and, and friend- friendlily talk to me on Twitter. Oh, please. If people are really upset about us not saying Beyonce is the greatest thing ever, they need to get a fucking life. Yeah, well... Right. Like people do. I don't want to get an eating disorder from my interactions next week. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want people to make me feel terrible. I, at, at William Scurry on Twitter, my YouTube uh, uh, channel is uh, AMCaesar, uh, youtube.com slash AMCaesar for all my essays and uh, various video work. And here's Noah telling you where you can't find it for the next week. Ah, big quiz thing. Bigquizthing.com, the finest in corporate and private trivia events nationwide, worldwide, in person, and virtually. Uh, you know, this is a good time for me to vacation, though. August is usually slow, and this August is pretty slow, but that's okay, because the fall's filling up. We're doing, uh, we're doing some bigger events, which is nice. In-person has been good, but we're getting back to the huge corporate hundreds and hundreds of, you know, people in a room. And I love this, because it makes me feel powerful, my friend. Uh, not quite Beyonce, but, you know, maybe one one thousandth of that. So, you know, but we do them big and small, so learn more at BigQuizThing.com. Hire us for your event. Possibly hosted by me, possibly hosted by one of my fabulous team of professional quiz masters. I am on Twitter, at Noah Tarno. Uh, if you don't like to talk about politics, don't go there. And uh, Big Quiz Things on Twitter and Facebook, at Big Quiz Things. Okay, everybody, so until the next journalist-threatening edition of this fear-filled podcast, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.